I'm, I'm excited because uh, there's really only one verse that we're going to concentrate on today, and it's not complicated. Uh, and yet it's beautiful, and it's rich, and it's deep, and, and it's done me a world of good to be thinking on it uh, this past week. And I'm, I've been praying for all of you that, that it would do the good uh, in all of us that, that God desires for it to do. So uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you want, to Romans chapter 15, 13. We're going to be there more than once, so it won't hurt to just kind of leave it next to you as I go through the message. Um, I'm just going to read it to us. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And, and I want us to notice here that there is only one God that is able to fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can abound in hope. And, and he's the author of our salvation. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the triune God consisting of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is above all things. He created all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, I forgot. I don't have to stand behind there. I can move. (laughs) Yeah. There is none like him. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the beginning and the end, and he has the power to destroy both body and soul in hell, and he has the power to grant eternal life. He's merciful and kind. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He is to be feared, adored, honored, loved, and obeyed. Yeah, let's reread our passage again in Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I want us to notice also that, that being filled with joy and peace is only a work that in your handout, it's only a work that God can do. You cannot do it on your own, and yet we still have to ask for it. So even though you can't do it, you, you're still required to be asking. And, uh, you know, as, as I read through my Bible and I look at David's life and I see that he was, he was constantly asking God to change his mind, to change his heart. And he was asking God to do those things so that he would think and that he would act rightly in your handout. So, uh, and, and also, he also did those things so that, so that he would have joy and peace. Yeah. And so here's just a couple examples from the Psalms of David's desire. David's desire for God to change him. And I'm, I'm going to be reading for a little bit here in Psalm 51. Uh, so some of you may want to turn there, but if not, you can just listen. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Yeah. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What a perfect example for how we should all be thinking and desiring and and confessing uh, to God. It says uh, then in Psalm 119, there's a couple other verses that I want to read, and they're kind of short, so you may not want to turn there, because by the time you do, I might be done with them, but you can turn there if you want to. Psalm 119, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then Psalm 119, verses 32 to 36 say, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. You know, the the Apostle Paul often prayed for the church. And I picked out one example here for the purpose of the message today in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And Paul says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. So going back to our verse for today, we see that in order to be filled with all joy and peace, we not only need to be in your handout continually asking God to do this work in us, but we also need to have our minds stayed on him. And that's the part we do for ourselves. We need to be fixing our eyes on his commands. We need to set our minds on things above. We need to be faithfully spending time in prayer, and we need to be doing the things that please God. Those are all things that we should be doing. But none of those things will be possible for us if we don't believe in God's goodness and in his perfect plan of sending his son 
Jesus Christ, to make atonement for our sins. You know, in the book of John, chapter 6, it was interesting to me, in verses 28 and 29, the crowds, you know, the crowds were always around Jesus because of all the miracles and things that he was doing. And the crowds asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You see, the the crowds thought that God would be pleased by the things that they could and should do. But Jesus responded that God is pleased with a simple, childlike faith. And the implication there is that this childlike faith is what produces in your handout all the other good things that are pleasing to God. Unfortunately, this childlike faith that allows us to be filled with all joy and peace, unfortunately, it's not a one-and-done thing, is it? <laughs> we, have to, we have to always be doing that. And so it's something in your handout that we have to work at. Yeah, we have to work at believing, believe it or not. And uh, all the while that we're working at believing, we have to acknowledge that God is actually the one who's accomplishing that work. Yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a catch-22. You know, I've been asking God to do this work in my life for many years. Matter of fact, I've been meditating on this verse for, I don't know, seven or eight years. I have it on my phone, and I look at it every day. And I ask God every day to be accomplishing this work in me, and I see that that work has not been accomplished yet. <laughs> not, because, not because God can't do it, but, but you know, just because of the imperfections in, in me. But nonetheless, you know, and, and I know I said, you know, I have a lot of room for improvement, but nonetheless, I keep in your handout asking. You know, I keep asking. I don't just read it every day. I keep asking every day, God, do this work in me like David desired for you to do in him. So we see that joy and peace come from believing that Jesus Christ was and is God. That he took on human flesh by being born of a virgin. That he lived a perfect sinless life by obeying all of God's commands. That he was crucified for our sins. That he was raised to life on the third day that he ascended into heaven, that he sits at God's right hand, and that he will one day return to this earth to destroy God's enemies and vindicate and reward his chosen ones with eternal life in the presence of God. That's what we need to be believing. That's what we need to be setting our minds on. That's what we need to be thinking about. And that's what's going to give us joy and peace. And that's what's going to allow us to abound in hope. You know, uh, and it's irrespective of your circumstances. You know, I remember my wife was this kind of a person to the day she died, and it was a, a beautiful example to me. Okay. I, I said I wouldn't get emotional. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, Okay, so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, or chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. And if you want to turn there, I'm going to read a fair amount there. So uh, I, would, I would encourage those of you that like to do that to go ahead and, and turn there. Because here's where we're going to read about 
what, what God has done for us. Just a reminder. It says, and you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, which is most of us, called the uncircumcision by what is called the, un- the circumcision, which is made by flesh in the hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. How sad is that? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. When it says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope, we, we need to realize that this is not as simple as we might first think. Yeah. It, it, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, and let's just read together Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And, and, and these are God's people. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So let me ask you, what does it mean to have the strength to comprehend? (laughs) What does that mean? It means that it's not easy. That's what it means. And it means that you need to work at it. You need to work at understanding, and you need to work at comprehending even what the, what the love of Christ even is. You need to work at that. I need to work at that. Notice that this strength to comprehend comes from God and that it must be granted 
be granted by him for us to understand. Again, going back to our, our verse today, Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It's a work of God for us to understand and believe the gospel so that we might be filled with joy and peace and abound in hope. So if we want to be filled with all joy and peace, then we need to be trying to understand in your handout more fully, more than you do today, more than you even do right now. You need to be trying to understand more fully what the love of Christ is and asking God to help you to do that. Don't, don't think that you have it figured out because you don't. You know, in this life, we will never fully understand the love of Christ. One day we will. You know, when we see him face to face, then we'll understand. And then we'll behave the way we're supposed to behave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even though you will never fully understand the love of Christ, that doesn't mean that you should stop trying. So we always need to be trying to grasp this. So once again, going back to Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know, I was searching on the internet and I love to look at definitions. Definitions usually help me in some way. But in today's world, there are so many definitions, you have to like pick the right one because there's some wrong ones out there. So anyway, I did a little searching on the internet and I was looking for what I kind of call the biblical definition of hope. So I don't know how good this is. These are just men's words. But, but I found this and, and, and it was useful to me. So I'm praying it'll be useful to you. Yeah, so the definition that I found was hope is the confident expectation of and longing for the promised blessings of in your handout righteousness. Yeah, so it's the, let me just read that again. It's hope is the confident expectation of and longing for the promised blessings of righteousness. So, uh, so let me ask you another question. What are the promised blessings of righteousness? And I don't think you're going to answer me, but but anyway, I thought I'd ask it, and, and I thought I would read to us some of what they are. I mean, I could, I could do a lot of reading here, and, and some of you might fall asleep while I'm reading, so I'm, I'm not going to read that much. But, but I did want to read a couple examples of what, what are the promised blessings of righteousness that, that we should have confident expectation of and be longing for. So uh, the first one I, I picked, I could have picked a, a whole bunch, but Psalm 32, verses 1 to 2, say, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, even though he has it, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You know, the book of Revelation is full of the promised blessings of righteousness. And uh, so I'm just going to read a couple examples. I'm only going to read two. Uh, One in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, which most of us probably know, but it's good for us to hear them. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. How sweet and tender is that? Yeah. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, even though you know that, don't you just rejoice to hear that? I do. And then in in Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 to 6, it says this. It says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. You know, the Apostle Paul was longing for his reward. He was longing for those promised blessings of righteousness, and that's what enabled him to fight the good fight of the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, Paul tells us, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And then we have the perfect example of Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I can tell you that when I've had times of trial, and I've been faithful to do what these verses tell us to do, my trial does not seem so big as I first thought it was. And the Lord is faithful to help us. So. So these are, these are good verses for us to have in mind. And so as it says in 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Knowing that, as it says in Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. You know, I think of the verses in Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 18 to 25. 
where, where Paul says this. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, whatever they are, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. May we all be able to say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 114, quote, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. I want to just close with rereading our passage here in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we would just simply ask that you would fill us with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. In Jesus' name, amen.